The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome to Psych Up Live. I'm your host, Suzanne Phillips. On this show, we'll be turning up the psychological perspective on many life issues. As the former host of Psych Up on Casozo Radio, I joined with terrific guests to host 73 shows. This show is different because it includes you in the conversation. This is Psych Up Live. I welcome you to listen in and call in with a question or comment for myself or any of my guests at 1-866-472-5787. Today we have a very special show. We're going to highlight the incredible bond we have with dogs. Today's show is on Canine Companions for Independence. And our guests are some of the many, many people that make the bond between a courageous person and an amazing dog a gift of independence and an improved quality of life. Our guests today include Megan Kester, who is one of Canine Companions North Central Region's Executive Director. She joined Canine Companions with 13 years of development and management experience in 2014. And then we have Eric Fatka, who is one of Canine Companions instructors. He's been with Canine Companions for 13 years. And then we have volunteer puppy raiser Marty Marlette. Marty has raised, if you can believe it, 22 puppies. She's on her 22nd. We're going to be hearing from her. And then we have Josiah Lanning, who received his service dog, Charlize, from Canine Companions in August 2010. We're going to hear his story. Megan, Eric, Marty, Josiah, welcome to Psych Up Live. Thanks for having us. Okay. Okay. It's, It's my pleasure. Um, Megan, as the executive director, I thought I'd start by asking you to give our listeners somewhat of a backdrop on this organization. How did it start? How many facilities are there? And how many dogs have you trained since the start? Absolutely. So our organization, Canine Companions for Independence, began in 1975. We're celebrating our 40-year anniversary this year. Wow. We are based out of Santa Rosa, California. We have six regional training centers around the country. So we have two in California, one in Texas, one in Ohio, one in Florida, and one in New York. 
And we are really here to enhance the lives of people with disabilities by providing them with a well-trained assistance dog that's going to help them with their daily life and achieving independence. Mm. Now, Megan, it's my understanding that there are many different types of assistance dogs. Maybe you can share the different types that are trained and that are offered to folks who need them. Sure. So Canine Companions places four different types of assistance dogs. We have we call them teams. So our service team is made up of an adult and a dog. Our skilled companions teams looks uh, the makeup is like a child and an adult working together with the dog. We also provide hearing dogs for our hearing teams dealing with hearing disabilities. And then we also have facility dogs. Our facility dogs are really working maybe with a therapist or in a hospital or an educational background um, surrounding and providing tasks, helping individuals do things through therapy um, or in comforting them in the work that's being done. So the facility dog is really working with an instructor and then a client. Hmm. So let me ask you, since the start uh, 40 years ago, how many dogs do you think have actually come through from little puppies in blue in yellow capes to uh, dogs ready to graduate to the blue cape? I think I have those capes right. I'm not sure. You do? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. How many would you say? We have placed over 4,800 teams over... Wow the last 40 years, and we have just under 2,000 active teams right now. Wow, that's amazing. Now, how would I know, if I'm a listener, how would I know if a loved one was eligible for one of your, one of your assistance dogs? You could visit us on our website at cci.org. That'll start to talk to you, and you can look through some of the questions, start to evaluate if we may be the best fit for you. We are really providing people with dogs who are looking for tasks to help them through retrieving items, pulling things open, pushing things closed, um, helping them do tasks to in um, help with their independence and their day-to-day lives. So, there are several different assistance dog organizations, and I think finding the right fit is the most important. Mm. So where do these, I know we're going to be talking about training them, where do these dogs come from? I mean, how, how are dogs selected, they're bred? What, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. That's a great question. We get that question a lot. Canine Companions has become the largest assistance dog organization because of the success that we've had with our dogs, and that really happens because we breed our own dogs. Uh, We breed Labradors and Golden Retrievers. That breeding happens um, with a lot of care and comfort and science in Santa Rosa, California, so it's a very monitored thing, and it helps us to find the temperament and the right type of dog to, to be the most helpful. Mm. Now, I, I think the term is breeder caretaker. Who are these folks who actually breed the dogs? Are they volunteers? Or are they part of the organization's uh, employees? 
So our employees actually breed the dogs at our facility, but the caretakers that you're speaking of are incredible volunteers that then will bring the dogs into their home, go through the birthing process, and care for the mother and the puppies for the first eight weeks of their lives. So they're really taking on quite a big task and have lots of enjoyment as they kind of welcome these puppies into the world and start their journey as an assistance dog. Wow. Okay, so then I'd say, and I'll just ask it as a a quick question, what does it cost to train a dog? Because then we're going to talk about training. And who pays? That's a great question. So from breeding through the life of the team as they work together and the life of the dog, the cost of that is $50,000 per team. Whoa. We work with individuals, corporations, organizations, and foundations on solidifying that funding because we truly believe that the people that apply for our program and are a good fit should be able to receive these dogs free of charge. So we work with individual donations to make sure that happens. It's a true gift, Megan, in every way. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you. So, Eric, once we have this little puppy and uh, he's he's part of a litter, and, oh, yeah, I think our listeners would love to hear. Eric, maybe tell us about the naming of these little little puppies. There's a number of um, ways that the dogs do get their names. There is a committee of sorts that does... Um, collect the recommendations and requests for names from volunteers, from donors, from, from anyone within the organization and out. Um, they select the names um, and they place them with litters so that each litter has the same first letter. All those siblings have the same first letter for all their names. Um, and those names can range very, very differently. Uh, they can be very <laughs> common names like Spot. And they can be very, you know, unique names, more like Tiana. So we have okay. a, a great variety. So if I'm in the same litter with Spot, my name might be Shakespeare. It could be, as long as it starts with an S. Is that right? That's right. Okay, that's terrific. But that's, I guess, a good way to also know what little puppies come from the same litter. Um, let me ask you, Eric, as a, as a trainer... Take us through the steps. I mean, this is a costly process. It's a magical gift to folks. So once the little dog is ready to go to a puppy raiser, and we're going to talk to a puppy raiser, what happens then? Well, we have our six regional centers across the United States. Um, As Megan said, all the dogs are bred and uh, whelped in California. Once they're ready, they will come in for a medical exam, and they'll be checked out by our veterinarians in Santa Rosa, and they will then be shipped out to each of the regional centers across the country. Now, each regional center has their own puppy program manager who then has taken applicants for volunteers who want to raise a puppy, and they work with puppy raisers, and they then decide what puppy will be assigned to which puppy raiser in which area of the country. I see. Okay. And then um, I know Marty's going to talk to us about the puppy raising, but at some point, how long are they with the puppy raiser, Eric, and when do they come back to you? They are with the puppy raiser anywhere from nine weeks on through uh, around 16, 17 months. 
um, learning many things, which Marty can explain. But once they're done with that part of their training, they will then come back to our regional training centers where they will come in for what we call professional training. And there they spend a minimum of six months with us as professional trainers teaching them more advanced commands. Um, and some of the advanced commands that you think of when uh, you think of assistance dogs are things like turning on lights, opening doors, pushing accessible door buttons. Um, so different advanced commands like that, including the retrieve, which is getting anything and everything off of the floor that a person may drop. Now, are all puppies trained with the same skills and then some that are better and some go become skilled companion dogs? Or is there, how do you decide which dog becomes a certain type of assistance dog? You're right. They are all trained exactly the same. They do learn all the same things, but much, um, you know, every individual dog and individual temperament has, has things that they're better at, um, and those things will suit them better for, say, a certain person who has a certain need, you know, um, a certain person who has a, um, a balance problem would certainly not want a dog that really loves to be close to them all the time and touching them and leaning up against them. Um, so there's very specific things that we take into account with the dog's personality, temperament, and physical tendencies in order to be safe with our clients. At the time you're training them in the more specific ways, Eric, do you already know who the recipient is going to be or are they trained and then the matchup happens? We, we train them for about three months before we start to seriously look at the candidates that we have on our list. But yes, within about half of the time that the dog's here, we will start thinking ahead. We've gathered a lot of information on our candidates, the people that we have accepted onto our list to receive an assistance dog, and all the qualities and um, goals that those people have, we can then kind of start to cross-reference with the dogs and what they would be appropriate to work with. So, yeah, at about three, three months, halfway through their training, we are already thinking down the road as, as to who we could invite to receive this dog. Wow. So they're really being tailored, their training, for the person who's going to have them. I mean, maybe that it's just remarkable, the matchups. Now, at some point, do you bring the people in to be trained on how they work with the dogs? Yes. So we have what is a class that is called a team training class, which is after the point the dogs are fully trained. And that, like I said, they do all get the same training. So we don't necessarily tailor them to the person, but we just we coordinate the best uh attributes with the best goals that the people have. Uh-huh, okay. And those people then come in for a team training class, which is two weeks, uh, and the team training class is more or less to train the humans. Since the dogs are already trained, <laughs> right. we need to train the humans on how right. to handle these dogs and how to have you know success as they move forward in utilizing those dogs in their everyday routines. So they spend two weeks with us um, learning commands, learning how to take care of the dog, health and well-being, learning how to handle them in public situations, being out in public with the dogs. And we also run through the testing requirements that we require of them. So they do need to be certified. We have a very high standard of safety and control 
that come along with our dogs, and they do need to meet that regularly to remain certified and using that dog out in public for canine companions for independence. Oh, so not only the do, do the dogs have to be very skilled, you're saying the recipient has to be certified to be part of the team? Yes, we, we oh. try to adhere very closely to the ADA and how the law is written for a dog to be safe and under control performing a physical task for those individuals. So there's a lot of high expectations on our graduates as well as the dogs. Okay, so if... Does does it ever happen that someone goes home with their companion dog, their service dog, and they start to have trouble? What happens then? So that is actually my other, the other part of my job. I, I train dogs, and I am also the graduate program contact here in our region. So I am available all throughout the week, work days, weekends, oftentimes happen, and I'm I'm here for any. Um, challenge that they may face if the dog, you know, dogs are dogs. They're not robots, so they don't perform 100% all the time. They can have a bad day every now and then, too. And if they're having trouble working through some commands or issues or, you know, a lot of my time is spent on helping them interact with the public and with businesses who aren't educated on the Americans with Disabilities Act and don't accept them and their dogs into their places of business. So we talk a lot about access issues for people with disabilities working with an assistance dog, and I, I help with that as well. It, the, the spread and the, the kind of depth of training and support is remarkable. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and today we're with the folks who make Canine Companion for Independence possible. Stay with us. We'll be back in a few minutes. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. 
Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with the folks that make Canine Companions for Independence possible. We spoke with the executive director. We spoke with Eric Fatka, a instructor who just gave us so much interesting background. And now we're going to talk to Marty Marlette. Marty is one of the volunteer puppy raisers. This is a really important role. Marty, you've raised 22, or you're in the middle of raising your 22nd Puppy, yep. how did you how did you get into this, Marty? Well, I started back in 1989. Um, I had always thought it would be pretty cool to raise a dog for pilot dogs, which is in locally for the blind. Didn't know anything about service dogs, but I saw an ad in the paper that Canine Companions for Independence was looking for volunteer puppy raisers. So we looked into it, and, and it was an eye-opener to us. Wow, dogs for people with disabilities. But, okay, we can do this. And mm-hmm. so I, we <coughs> took home our first dog, and uh, in the process of raising Thor, we met uh, a gentleman who had a service dog. And after telling his story of how he came to get a service dog and why, um, I was hooked. I was totally uh-huh. hooked. Now, Marty, um, when you, you this involves quite a bit. Now, did you have a pet of your own where you folks pet people, dog people? Was this a natural for you? Uh, I, I thought I was pretty smart about raising dogs. Um, I'd always been around dogs. My father raised coon hounds, and my mother loved dogs. I loved dogs and uh, thought I was pretty good at dog training, so I thought I'd be pretty good at it. And... Uh, um, I was okay at it. I, I learned a whole lot that I didn't know. Um, I'd had a pet. She'd passed. So when, when we got Thor, we only had Thor to raise and train. Mm-hmm. And he turned out to be a handful, and he ended up being our pet. But um, I learned so much from him, and I've learned so much from every one of my dogs that I've raised. They, each one's different. They each have different personalities. They take different types of training. They, different, they, they learn at different rates. Um, it's it's fascinating, actually. Well, now, I think our listeners would find it interesting. It's not like just having a pet, right? There's something very different about raising these puppies because you have you're allowed to do certain things. You don't do other things. Could you explain a little bit about the type of things that the puppy raiser would train their little puppy to do or not do? That's. That's a very good point. Uh, our expectations as a puppy raiser for our puppies that we raise are much higher than what you would have just for a pet. 
And on top of that, we're expected to teach our dogs 30 different commands that the professional instructors can build on. And some of the commands are very basic to everybody that has a pet, like sit and wait, uh, down, and to teach the dog to potty on command, which I never thought you could do, but you can, and that's one of the first things we teach them. So those are expectations that we have of these dogs. They have to learn that. They have to learn it to do it on the first time. You don't Mm. say, sit, 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 because then the dog thinks, oh, I don't have to sit until the third sit. So (laughs) we have to teach them that they have to do what we ask them to on the first time. And they're pretty good about that. If, if, you, if your expectations are that you're gonna, that dog's going to do that, then it will do that. But you have well, to be consistent and reinforce that behavior all the time. Well, now, who trained you? And does the whole family have to get trained? Because if I'm saying to the dog, you know, nothing about, nothing about sit or when to sit, and you're saying sit, I mean, how does that work with the rest of the family? It, it, can be, it can be an issue. Uh, when I started raising, I was married, and so my husband and I had to kind of be on the same page. Uh, but I always laughed. I said I was a disciplinarian, and he was the one that played and had fun with the dogs. But uh-huh. he did reinforce the, the dis- disciplinarian side of it or the training side of it. Um, I've never had children, so and now I'm single. So there's no one in the house except me. So when it fails, it's my fault. But I uh-huh. think in a, in a house with a... With a family, with children, uh, everybody kind of has to be on board. They have to all understand uh, what the end result is. They all have to chip in, if you will, and say, okay, I'm going to, if, if mom is teaching the, the dog this or if, if one of the children's teaching the dog, then everybody else needs to, to follow suit and follow those rules, if you will. Do you ever hear from other um, puppy raisers that, they, there's any kind of contention between they let their own pet do anything, but this little puppy knows he or she can't do that. I mean, what happens with that? Well, we teach these dogs that they can do all sorts of things, but only when we allow them. So, for instance, I have my own pet now. She's allowed up on the bed with me on occasion. But Dagwood, who is my current puppy in training, he understands that he can't get up there unless I allow him to. I so see. They, they do learn. They learn a distinction. They, they understand that my, my pet dog understands that when Dagwood wears his yellow vest, that means he's going to get to go out in public and she's going to have to stay in the car or she's going to have to stay at home. And, and I'm really not putting any people, trying not to put people emotions on that. That's just something I've observed. They, huh? they just understand. So you're not going to get into your head that the dog left in the car is rejected or anything. You're just going to, you're, you're, you're a real trainer. Well, you know, they can put the sad face on and they can give <laughs> yeah. you the look, but you just kind of go, eh, I've seen that before. We, we just ignore that. So now, so Morty, how, how much support does a puppy raiser get from other puppy raisers or from canine companions? I mean, would someone feel like they were out there alone with this puppy? Well, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'm very privileged because I am here. I am 35 minutes from the center, uh-huh. from the North Central Regional Center. There's about 50 of us puppy raisers locally, and we get together monthly as a group uh, because we do have to go to 
to training classes. We have we are required by Canine Companions to attend two training classes a, a month with our puppies to help socialize them and to help us keep up on our teaching skills. So That's... I feel like we get exceptional support from puppy raisers here. We we become friends. Uh, Canine Companions actually becomes like a family. Uh, mm. So you so... can call other puppy raisers. You can email them. You can call the center. Uh, if you have an access issue, uh, our puppy program manager, Suzanne, she is available to help us if we have a health question or just almost anything at all. We, we are able to contact the center and, and get help from them on any issue. So there's a tremendous amount of support, actually, is, is I, what I'm I would hearing. say, yes. Mm. yes now, someone asked me um, uh, this question, so I'm passing it on. What if a young adult? like a senior in high school, wanted to be a puppy raiser. Do you, do you have to be a certain age to be a puppy raiser? Do you, I mean, is there any, what is there requirements on this? There, there is. I'm not sure what the young, how, how young you, actually, I shouldn't say that because I think we have a 10-year-old in our class raising a puppy right now. But you have to have parental permission and mm-hmm. you have to have the, a parent step up and say, yes, I support this child doing this and, you know, I'll provide transportation to whatever classes are needed and that sort of thing. So it's, yes, the children can raise, a senior in high school can raise. We've had several seniors raise um, as a a senior project, actually. Mm, They get a puppy and raise it. And uh, so, yes, that happens all the time, but you definitely have to have a parent on board uh, to, to back that up. Marty, what, what, what has been the most surprising thing that you have seen or experienced with one of these 22 puppies? Wow. <laughs> um, I guess I'd have to say people are always asking me, do you think they'll make it? Do you think they'll make it? And I used to try and guess. And I finally realized that it, it's all up to the dog. You can, you can train that dog to the very best of your ability. They can, they can know all their commands. They can be just spot on. And after a few months in advanced training or professional training, they suddenly decide that's not what they want to do. Um, I actually had one that decided he didn't want to be a service dog, and so he went to be a search and rescue dog. Oh, interesting. That's a great story. Okay, that's really great. So you think there'll be a number 23 puppy for you, Marty? Actually, number 23 is asleep in her kennel at the age of (laughs) 12 weeks. Oh, precious. So nice. That's really good. All right. Thank you so much. Josiah, let's, let's take the next step, which is once Marty's done her job and Eric's done his job and... All the volunteers have stepped in. Someone like you receives a dog. Josiah, could you share your story of how you received Charlize from Canine Companions? Sure. So I've had three service dogs. Charlize is my first service dog from Canine Companions. What had happened before her was my dog, uh, I lost my dog, and I was looking for a new organization, and I knew of CCI, and I was like, well, now would be a good time to give CCI a try. So I filled out all the application paperwork explaining uh, what my particular needs were, what my daily habits were, what my life was like as a student at the Ohio State University. And I filled out all the applications, and then we 
finally were able to set up time to mess with my schedule for the team training. So I went in for team training for a matter of two weeks where I learned all the basic and advanced commands for the dogs. Mm-hmm. And also I got to work with all the dogs that were available ready to graduate with a potential partner. Uh-huh. And I had this perception when I started with CCI that I wanted a large black male dog. Just because <laughs> I was on a college campus almost every day and I had this perception that a large male black dog would be perceived as being protective. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. as I started working with the dogs, um, I started working with Charlize. And I noticed that Charlize was walking very good with my power wheelchair. She was wa- watching not only where she was going, but where my chair was going. Wow. And lo and behold, by the end of the, by the, end of the time the training session was over, um, <clears throat> the team trainers asked us to write down the three dogs that we thought uh, worked best with us. Mm-hmm. Charlize being a yellow lab at 50 pounds, she was on my <laughs> list. So when we got the dogs, um, when we got matched with the dogs, they had all three dogs that I was hoping to potentially get. And they asked me, Josiah, which dog do you think you're going to get? And I was like, well, I hope it's Charlize. Uh-huh. Like, oh, for least she came over, jumped up on my lap, started licking all over my face. Like, you didn't pick me, buddy. I picked you. Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. That's great. So Charlize picked you, and how has Charlize changed your life? Wow, that's a, that's a big question, and there's definitely an answer. So Charlize has provided me a element of independence that I was missing when I didn't have a service dog. Mm-hmm. So, like, typically when I would drop something or I needed to get a door open, I would have to ask somebody for physical assistance being in a power wheelchair. Charlize mm-hmm. allows me to pick up whatever I drop on the floor on a daily basis without having to ask my mom, my brother, or one of my friends to help me out. <clears throat> Charlize also opens the electronic door openers that a lot of public places have, and she opens my bedroom door. Wow. Mm-hmm. Charlize is pretty magical. She's, yeah, she... one, of the, one of the other things she does for me on a frequent basis because a lot of times in public, there's not the power door opener, and nobody seems to notice me knocking on the door, but <laughs> when they hear a dog bark, that's something out of the ordinary, so then they come see what the noise was. Um, that actually happened to me last night when I was at the mall. I couldn't get in where I was going to go. Nobody was visually seeing me, so I had her bark, and somebody came over and got the door for us. So at that point, what you actually gave her the command, Josiah? Did you, or did she just know and bark? I mean, how did it go? No, she only barks when I give her the proper command. Okay, okay. So you say Charlize bark, and that's it. Actually, the command is speak. Nice. Yes, for the command, she speaks, and then I reward her. Wow! Wow! Nice. So, um. All right. You know, we, we have more to speak about. Um, we're going to take a brief break. Um, and then I want to come back and ask you a few more questions. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. Um, I'm here speaking to the folks from Canine Companion. We're going to come back, stay with us, and hear more about Josiah Lanning and his relationship with Charlize. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
choice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. No matter what your current situation is, you have a unique story to your life. It's a dynamically changing story that requires constant adjustments to lifestyle and environment. That includes your home. As you continue to enhance your living space, you are also making overall improvements to increase the value of your home. Join Laura Minniff each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time for dynamic insights for your home environment on the Voice America Variety Channel. And start living now. Do you love to travel? Now, that's a silly question, isn't it? Who doesn't love to travel? Join Lindsay T. Boyd, a.k.a. The Dreamweaver, for Travel Time. A professional travel agent, Lindsay will spotlight the world of travel, from maps and other travel tools to make your trips easier, to your rights as a passenger, to different aspects of travel, such as sports, faith, or experiential vacations. Travel Time with Lindsay T. Boyd, Dreamweaver, airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We have a terrific show with great folks today. It's the team from Canine Companions for Independence. And we were just speaking to, and we're going to continue to speak to, Josiah Lanning and his service dog, Charlize. They're quite a team. In fact, uh, I asked Josiah during the break. He's graduated from Ohio State, is it? Did you say, Josiah? Correct. A, A graduate and now heading to graduate school. He's applying for law or public policy, and I think Charlize is going to get quite an education by the time Josiah is done. Um, Josiah, so one of the questions I wondered about, because some volunteers that I know well raised this as an issue, is what happens when folks see this adorable dog and they want to touch him or touch her or pet her? How do you handle that? For me, it really depends on the situation. I've learned from having service dog most of my life that you kind of have to gauge the situation. So if there's a lot of people, um, I'll try, I'll just either say, no, you can't pet the dog, she's working, but thank you for asking, Hmm. or I will allow them to interact with the dog but not necessarily pet. So service dogs from CCI are taught a command called shake. (laughs) <laughs> Shake is a command, but it also allows the dog to interact with the public while the dog is still technically working. 
And what does Charlize do when you say shake? She lifts up her paw and offers it in a shake. Oh, how sweet is this? And and puts it into the person's hand? Um, she'll put it out there. The person would have to grab the hand, or grab the paw, gently grab the paw. And, the, and most people do that, Josiah? Correct. Nobody oh. seems to have a problem interacting with the dog. Oh, wow, that's lovely. That's really terrific. Um, I try to tell little kids, um, especially if they run up and see the dog and want to touch the dog, I try to teach, use it as a teachable moment. When you see a brand-new dog, don't touch um, and ask the handler because you never know the temperament of the dog. I yeah. Mean, the dog, if they do it with my dog that's very well-trained, odds are they may or may not do it with a dog that maybe isn't so well-trained, and you don't know the temperament of each individual dog. Right, right. That's 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 true. So in your years here now with Charlize, what would you say, Josiah, is something that just has so surprised you about this dog that's on by your side almost all the time? I would have to say the most surprising thing about Charlize is how smart and adaptive she is. So Charlize mm-hmm. is seven years old now, and even to this day, she's still learning my behaviors, my attitudes, my, my language. Like when we're out in public and I'm interacting with somebody and she's in a down, um, she can be perfectly relaxed and she can tell by the tone of my voice and the words that I'm using that I'm almost done in, with my interaction with the individual and she'll look at me um, basically waiting for a command to do something else. So she's always learning my behavior and my attitudes and how I interact. These dogs should give us all lessons in attunement. This is amazing. So she really knows you from the tone of the voice to probably your body language. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. How does she interact with your brother and mom and the rest of the family? She loves everybody in the family. We have uh, Jack Russell as well that... They're like sisters. I mean, they get along just fine. She and knows she, even when we're at home. I mean, if she's interacting with my mom or my dad, if I have her on a release, that if I call her and I need her for a task, she is to stop whatever she's, if she's relaxing, stop relaxing and come in and help me pick something up off the floor. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Jack Russell is an interesting little friend to Charlize. Yeah, she's interesting. <laughs> They're very energetic, to say the least. Um, I can't thank you enough. I want to now ask um, um, Marla, um, Marty, um, our puppy raiser, because I've been thinking about it. After raising, you share with our listeners, you've raised 22 puppies, and there's a little new one right in the crate nearby. Um, Marty, do you ever cross paths with puppies you've raised once they've been given to someone like Josiah? I do. Um, I have a couple of puppies locally that have been placed with graduates as, as a team. Um, I saw in my most recent one, his name was Wessler, and he was placed with Leah, and they invited me to a 5K walk to um, as a fundraiser for Spina Bifida organization. Mm-hmm. And when I walked up, Wessler saw me, and he could barely contain himself. He... He was sitting next to Leah, 
and he didn't move, but every mm. inch of him was moving and wiggling, <laughs> and he had a smile on his face. Oh. It's like, oh, it's my old mom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a tribute to the training that he didn't move, but you knew he was smiling at you. Oh, absolutely. I could tell he was excited. And uh, I have to say, uh, two or three years ago, a dog that I had raised and was placed lives, currently lives in Carmel, Indiana, and she would come back for graduation. Um, Leanne, her name was Leanne, and she would, of course, bring Stryker. And I had not seen him for probably a year, a year and a half, maybe even longer than that. And I turned around, and there they, there they were, and, and Stryker was sitting down, but then he got so excited, he stood up, and then he remembered he wasn't allowed to do that, so he sat down again, and he must have done that five times. Oh, and we were laughing so hard at him trying to behave himself, but he was so excited. So it's, it's nice to know that they remember us, but it's also nice to know that they, they love their new person and they, they listen to them unequivocally yeah it's amazing the original bonding and then the new training and the new bond it's oh it's terrific terrific now eric um i'm working my way backwards to our wonderful guest um eric as someone who's trained different types of assistance dogs and then matched them what is one of the something that really surprised or amazed you in your work with canine companions you know, to speak to a little bit of what Marty was saying there, there there's kind of two things. Um, one of them is the adaptability of our dogs, and that's, that's a great credit to our breeding program, um, breeding dogs with the temperament that are just very, very highly adaptable, and they bond with new people and are able to figure them out and read them really well. So, I mean, that's always been amazing for me to watch the dog go through different stages with different people and, and just, you know, succeed really well. Um, but in training, the most, you know, unique thing that I, I learned was, you know, after training hundreds of dogs through CCI's dogs, um, I, I've noticed that no matter how much I think I'm going to know what's coming the next time around with each new round of dogs, the dogs continue to surprise me with their different <laughs> personalities and temperaments. There's always something a little bit different about the dogs. There's, they are not a carbon copy of each other, that's for sure. They, they have very unique personalities and, you know, different things that motivate them. And you have to really keep on your toes and, and work with them on such an individual basis. Um, you know, training this many dogs may feel like you're going to be doing a cookie cutter sort of job, but it really isn't. There's a lot of uniqueness in each dog. And, and thankfully, with each candidate and applicant that we have come through, too. Mm, you know, you could hear, I can hear in you, in, in all of you today, the love and the appreciation you have for these animals, that it's, it's really, it's a love fest both ways. Um, the dogs and all of you, and you and the dogs. Um, Megan, I want to bring it back to you. Um, I'll ask you as the executive director, um, what's been the most rewarding part of this, working with this organization? The people. Um, this organization really feels like a family. There's a lot of intimacy that happens in raising a puppy and, and taking a step to decide that you want an assistance dog and putting yourself out there and, and letting this dog help you with your day-to-day independence and the staff that's around. It, it really is an amazing group of people that are just so passionate and really care. And so many people do 
um, think of us as an assistance dog organization. This is all about the dogs, but it really is about the people that make these matches happen, that make the lives of people change every day. Mm, it, it's it's terrific. It, it really sounds amazing. Now, I know our listeners have just heard some wonderful things. Megan, how would someone donate? How would someone become a volunteer? How, how could I become part of this mission? We welcome people to join us and would encourage you to visit our website, www.cci.org, or give us a call at 1-800-572-BARK. B-A-R-K. And on our website and in talking to our staff, you'll learn a little bit more about different volunteer opportunities, whether you might think that you might be interested in raising a puppy or you would like to help us in our daily programs. Um, It takes a village here to make all of these special things happen. And there's also several different ways people can donate and find a way to make their gift valuable to what they care about most. So we encourage people to get involved with us. You can also go on there and sign up to receive our regular newsletter and information so you can learn more about what we're doing, some of the great research we have going on, and the continued stories that really um, are just taking place every day. You know, Megan, it was one of your volunteers that gave me the book, um, Dogs Heal, H-E-E-L. And from that, I just came across this quote that just fits with what all of you have shared today, and it's, dogs are an extension of us, the part that is the very best of what humans are capable of being. And it sounds like that's just the experience you've had from directing to training to puppy raising to being the companion of Charlize. Um, One of the things I want to do is especially thank this organization in general for the thousands of matchups that have happened and people who have been helped. In particular, I want to thank you, Megan, Eric, Marty, and Josiah for coming on the show today. It's an incredible message and a gift to anyone out there who thinks, hey, maybe I could have a canine companion or maybe I can be part of that mission. So I want to thank you again for coming on Psych Up Live. Thank you. We're so excited to share this with you. Yeah, you're very welcome. I want to thank our listeners, and I invite you to listen in next week. We're going to have a Thanksgiving show, which will be The Friendship Fix with Dr. Andrea Bonea. And on December 3rd, stay with us because we're going to be talking about depression and the holidays. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Tweet me at healing, the number four couples. Until next week, please take care. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week.
again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 